0: Mean Old Lion Media presents The History of Being Black. What up, though? I'm Jay Hall, and welcome to another edition of The History of Being Black podcast. How are you? How's everything? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much hoping that your day, or wishing that your day is going smooth, that your week has been going smooth. I've been working through a lot just in life when it comes to travel, when it comes to just personal and everything. So when I ask you how you doing, I really do mean it, especially anything that's post- 2020 because i feel like every year after 2020 it's been a sequel <laughs> like i too. i just i feel like we're about to enter a trilogy you know it's almost like one long year when we get a chance to document this in life we're gonna call this the one long year you heard it right here history being black j Hall, i said it one long year um i want to tell you about a treat that i had when i was younger Really, 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 many, many, many months ago. Um, I was in fifth grade. And everybody was talking about this album that was out. Everybody. And back in the day, there was a thing called cassettes, people. And people would bring the cassette to the school. And they would show you what they bought. And the album at the time was DJ Quick Quick's The Name. And... Everybody was talking about it. Yo, you heard that quick. You heard that quick. You heard that quick. I'm like, eight or nine. You heard that quick. You heard that quick. You heard that quick. Hey, yo, you heard that quick. This is an elementary school. I go home. Hey, yo, the bigger homies. You heard that quick. You heard that quick. Anybody heard that quick? My big homie Rich. You heard that DJ quick. I'm like, what is it? What is it? What's going on? So, my guy who lived next door, named Roy Taylor, he was my hip hop introduction. He was my guy who had the word up magazines and reading all the articles, and he would cut the pictures out and hanging up on his wall. He was like, Yo, I got that DJ quick. Let me hear it. <laughs> you know, I rushed over there. I had homework I had to do, but I rushed over there because I had to hear it. He put the cassette in, give me the headphones. Hit play. Um something, something, something like Yeah, quick, and I'm a bad mother, it was going. All right. You know, maybe it's a way. I hold my I mean profanity out the ass. Just straight up. When I'm in elementary school and I'm rocking, it's the greatest thing I ever heard. Now I've heard rap music before, of course, right? I mean. There were people that was out before my ears in the sense of like the Ron DMCs, you know, and all of that. But this was an underground thing. And to those that may not remember or was not around, there was a time where hip hop was still some sort of like underground genre. You know, it was still one of those, if you know, you know, it wasn't all over your TV screen like that. So it was kind of still like a whisper culture that was growing. And DJ Quick was from Compton, California. So he had songs that everybody was rocking to, and a lot of the guys with the bigger homies would come by on the block in their jeeps, in their trucks, bumping the song called "Tonight." Tonight had a bass line, like boom, 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 boom. Now maybe it's you know it's because I'm a cool mother like DJ Quick. There's some people out there that know exactly what I'm talking about. After that, he had a single called Born and Man, born, Raised in Compton. Man, born and raised in Compton, da-da-da-da, Compton, Compton. And the song I was humming for you earlier was called Sweet Black P. Okay? And interesting enough, my mom used to rock with that song. Was straight up and down. She would come out her bathroom like, yo, replay that last song. Like, okay, you want me to replay this? Not a problem. On the flip side of that, there was an album that was more commercially being known, and it was called Death Certificate by Ice Cube. It was Ice Cube's second album. This is him branching off from NWA. Some will argue with you that it's still Ice Cube's best work today. Song on there that stood out was one called Steady Mobbing. You know? Boom. I mean, just four five tickets in the mothership. Less known as a clique. And we all got, I mean, just just going, you know what I mean? There was no way you can go and you didn't hear steady mobbing. Uh, one of my favorites was a song on there called Summer Vacation. Summer Vacation was a song where pretty much talking about how the gangs of L.A. are infiltrating places like St. Louis and Chicago. And this is how West Coast gangs spread. And talking about that and telling that story. My favorite song that I knew word for word was a song called Burden in the Hand. Oh, man, fresh out of school because I was a high school grad, but got to get a job because I'm a high school dad. Wish I got paid for a rapping to the nation, but that's not likely. So here's my application. Woo, man. I mean, I, I would replay these two albums all the time. They they played at every block party. And my block itself, Cortland Street, you ask anybody, I'm 12th with Joe Wilson back home in Detroit. Cortland was the soul of the neighborhood. Central High School. Now, to an older generation, that was, I the Motown generation um, um, neighborhood, but our era came in, and it was all about the block parties, and Compton at the time, they were hot. Compton, I would say, in present time, reminded you of how Atlanta has been for the past 20 years, you know, there was a bunch of artists that was coming out of Compton, and, you know, I didn't know nothing about Compton, I'm in mean, elementary school, but every rapper seemed to come out of Compton and he knew how to rap. And they were painting these stories, and they were vulgar, and it was, they were was descriptive, and it was all these things. And and as like, you're listening to it, and of course, the N.W.A., Shawty Compton, and all of that, you know, it was related both with the music, you know, talked about the the pimps and the pushers and all of that. I mean, West Coast music was a lot more in your face than East Coast music, you know. For me, coming up, it was East Coast music, and I didn't even know there was an East Coast, West Coast music. I mean, I wasn't paying attention in geography class, but now that I can look back in hindsight, I can tell you that the appeal to is what they spoke very clearly. East Coast music spoke in a lot of metaphors, things of that nature, and they were talking about their barrels and everything, and I didn't know what a barrel was. But at the time, this music right here was what it was. Fast forward, preteen, mid-school, middle school. Two albums that shook up the world for me and the people that I was around. The first one was "Ready to Die," Notorious B.I.G. Shout out to Justin Tinsley who wrote the book on Big not too long ago. We had him on here as a guest. But "Ready to Die" was a movie, was an audio movie. I mean, if I don't, I don't. I'm pretty sure audio books was out back then, but that's what "Ready to Die" was. I mean, it came on. It was cinematic with the intro. Big was robbing a train, and as a kid, I didn't know that the train meant subway. I thought he was robbing like a Am- Amtrak. I was like, "Yo, how you gonna rob an Amtrak? How you gonna hop off?" You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it come on like that, and the songs that was sticking out was Warning, you know, Big Papa, Juicy, of course, my favorite, Unbelievable, and the other one was Me and My Bitch. And the song Me and My Bitch, where he's talking about. The down chick that's with him and now they fight and they argue but they love each other and at the end she dies and he was hurt there was a pain to that that i just related to And the other album that following year or that next year six months later was me against the world by tupac and this is to this day i would tell you this is tupac's best album when tupac was in jail when his album actually came out and if i die tonight they say pussy is paper is poetry is power is pistols Murdering Glock and his mother. Woo! Anytime someone tried to say Tupac is a lyrical, I instantly go to that. Okay, I can point out other songs, but I instantly go to that. Of course, the title track, Me Against the World. And then my favorite that I played on Repeat, So Many Tears. Let me tell you, I would play so many tears on Repeat. So much that I had to buy to Me Against the Worlds because the first one that I had started skipping. Yeah, this is an era of CDs, people. So if you remember, you play the song too much, you know, get to skipping. And it'll be like, doom, 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 doom. And I played it so much on repeat that I would actually get through the uh, re- repetitive parts. And then one day my mom was like, yo, just go just go buy another CD. Um, and during this time was the rise of a woman who was in charge of an organization that was very anti-rap, C. Dolores Sucker. And this time you had people who were, listen, not for hip-hop, okay? They were not for rap music. They felt like it was degrading. It was dogging women and things that they were talking about. I mean, you had people like the Reverend Calvin Butts out in New York who were taking cassettes. They were putting it on concrete, and they were running it over with a, a, a steel mill. A steel mill? I, I, I don't know. You know what I mean. They were running things. They were running it over in the middle of the street. If you ever get a chance, Google that. And it was real. It was a real thing. And as a child growing up and becoming an adolescent, you felt this rebellious nature that hip hop was given. You felt like you had to be on some like us against them. They don't understand us. Because hip hop at that time, rap music was the first genre that came out that had a total disconnect to the parents that was before us. I mean, even my mom, when she was playing the Parliament Funkadelics and all of that, all of that was still similar to the doo-wop in a sense that came out before her, but hip hop was something that was a total 180. Okay. It was not common as now to hear adults playing anything in rap music. I mean, my mom was an anomaly, you know, she liked it. And the most important thing that she loved about the culture and the rap songs that it kept me focused. I mean, trust me, I tested my mother's love every single day. My mother worked multiple jobs. I was always staying at someone's house She was always working. I was always at someone's home. And the only thing that can actually keep me focused was me listening to rap music, hip hop music. That's the only thing that can actually keep me alive. And trust me, I got in trouble all the time. Like one time I got in punishment for a full year. Like a full year, okay? And you know, it's different, you know? uh, White people tend to get grounded. Black people get on punishment. You know what I'm saying? It's just a little bit more severe, okay? And my mom just put me on punishment for an entire year. It wasn't like she first said it. Like, hey, you're going to be on punishment for a whole year. She would just like, yo, you're on punishment until you improve. And I just did not improve. Okay? But even when she took away everything else, the video games or whatever that I may have had, she never took away my music. She always allowed me to keep playing. And during that time, when I got older, and I'm playing me against the world, and I'm playing ready to die. And I was going through adolescent depression, and I wasn't feeling too good. And these... Albums really walked me through. I mean, because these guys were opening up themselves in ways that I had never heard my brother who was listening to the Ron DMCs and them opening up before. These guys were talking about being depressed. They were talking about trying to live. And I just really, really understood it. And it really, really was touching my heart. So when I'm hearing about anybody that wants to take away this type of music, I was angry about it. You know, I didn't want to hear that you're talking about the great women because I was like, no, they're talking about a particular type of woman. Because around my way, around my block, you were hearing about women that were setting men up. I didn't have the understanding and context to be like, okay, well, if the woman's setting them up, she's probably setting them up with a guy that wants to rob the guy. Like, I didn't have that kind of understanding. When I was coming up in my block, these guys that were scribing the women, the attitude was, hey, listen, these are the type of women you stay away from. And to be honest with you, people may not want to actually admit it, but our parents and our family and our adults were telling us the same thing. As much as they may not like their rap music and they didn't think it was no talent, they were still telling me to stay away from women who was acting like that and everything else. So the rap music itself was providing a warning to us. Fast forward, I'm a young adult, and there's two other albums that's it's just, they're just, they're just getting me. I mean, that's just getting me. The first one I would have to tell you was College Dropout. Kanye West. Man, shh. I mean, when I hear... Never let me down. Even now, I rock with it. You know, I was fresh at Howard. Um, I came to Howard on a whim, and I'll tell you that story sometime later. But I literally had a ticket and I cashed it. And I, you know, like a winning lotto ticket. So me coming to Howard was not in the, in the traditional way. And by the way, um, Ghost, you got to remind me that we're gonna do an episode about how you know I even came out to DC in the first place. So college dropout spaceship, I used to play all the time because I had got this internship and I had no money and all I had was a credit card. And I remember at the time, I got an internship at WPGC and it was in a spot called Lanham, Maryland. Now, if you don't know anything about it, this is before we were calling Ubers. And at the time, Lanham was way out in Maryland and DC might be a place where you can catch a train everywhere. But once you get out to Maryland, they pretty much just drop you off. And I would have to catch a cab from New Carrollton to the train station. And I end up maxing out my credit card. Eventually, I end up getting a ride. But let me tell you, when I hear Spaceship, I've been working this slave ship. I ain't made shit. I wish I could find me a spaceship and fly past the sky. When I hear that right there, even to this day, it gets me somewhere. When I hear two words with Freeway, I mean, Kanye was a wizard. I mean, he was bringing people together that you just wouldn't think. I mean, Freeway, Most deaf. I wouldn't think that. You know, Freeway was the, what we do is wrong rapper. Why would he be on there with the backpack Most deaf? But he was able to do that. He was a wizard in that. The other album that balanced out the scales is Get Richard GetRichard.Tron. And goes, you get a chance, you got to remind me that we need to do a whole segment on why I feel that Get Rich and Die Try and College Dropout may be hip hop's most important albums to date. But Get Rich and Die Try, many men, 50 was so high, yo. I mean, I don't think to this day there's ever been a rapper that came out with the magnitude as a Curtis 50 Cent Jackson. And I don't think there was ever a victim of someone of a rapper with that magnitude like a Ja Rule. To this day, I have never seen anything like it. Right now, if your favorite rapper loses in a battle, he could just go on social media, rant, convince people he didn't lose, and everything was fine. That was not the case back then. No matter how hard Ja Rule tried, with blood in my eye, and clap back, it was not enough for 50. 50 himself took on an entire record label, yo. Okay? An entire record label. And street stuff was blending in with the real stuff, with the theme of Get Rich or was something that I feel defined a generation. I mean, for me, and cashing out my ticket and going out and living in D.C., I've never been out here before. I'm a kid from Detroit. I got no money. I'm broke all the time. And I came from a different type of lifestyle. I personally had dabbled in some things back home. That wasn't necessarily the best thing that was for me. And the interesting thing about that in life is that when you make a decision to actually be a good person when you've been doing bad things, that is when your money goes. They don't tell you that part in the movie. You know what I'm saying? When they show you a character that's changing their life, they don't tell you that they go broke because doing the right thing is costly. It costs bread. It costs a lot of money. And it was a lot of money that I clearly did not have. And so when I heard Get Rich or trying, try, it was a relatable thing to me. And to be honest with you, I'm not someone in hip hop who needs to be have something that relates to me. I mean, I didn't know what the hell Wu-Tang and they was talking about when they were saying your son and your God, but I rock with it. So I don't necessarily lean on that. I feel like relatability is actually a plus, not a necessity, but it was something about what 50 had to say. You know, when I hear the song now, don't push me. When I hear, what Up gangster, they say i walk around like I got an S on my chest, but that's just a semi-auto. that it just a fess on my chest. It was something about that. I don't know what it was, man. It was something about it that when I hear it now, I get charged up. I'm a grown man right now. And if you play that, I could be in a suit tie. And I'm going to loosen that tie when I hear that song. okay? There's something about that. And 50 put his tragedy on display for us, entertainment, which is no different from what hip hop artists have been doing for the longest. And we enjoyed it and we sucked it up. And I'm telling you to this day, I live with that motto. I live not necessarily trying to be rich. But I'm either going to accomplish my goals or I'm going to die trying because giving up, I've come too far. It's not what it is. And those are the perfect albums for me to hear going into adulthood, being able to vote for the first time. I'm actually making decisions that can actually be about something. Why am I telling you this? I tell you that because I'm telling you the stages in my life because, yo, I grew up, yo. And for some reason, it feels like hip-hop just doesn't want to grow up. I mean, I love this culture. I love this music. There's, there's, there's nothing you can tell me. You cannot convince me that this culture did not save my life. Yes. Yo, shout out to you if you going to church every Sunday with your grandma or you getting saved that got you there. Yo, God bless you, yo. Yo, and shout out to you if you had a rich uncle or you had a big family and all of that other stuff. You had all those things that that got you through yo shout out to you yo but for me and individuals like myself this genre that was created in the south Bronx it saved my life I promise you that if it was not for hip-hop I would probably be either somewhere right now behind bars or I probably would not be here to talk to you right now it saved my life in every form and fashion it saved my life And so when I tell you that hip hop refuses to grow up, I don't tell you that as now the old man who is now sitting back talking about, oh, well, all the people back in the day, they were right. I tell you as someone who was heartbroken, I'm heartbroken. Because the thing about it, when you get older and you see something grow and you've been there long enough and you care about it for so long, you only want to see it go far. I mean, that's with anything. Ask people who buy old school cars to build them up. They want the car. Either they sell it. They, they, don't, they don't just sell it to people to get money. If they're going to sell that car that they built up, that 64 Chevy or whatever it, it may be, they usually sell it to another person who has an understanding of the art form that they did it to. So when we pass it on to another generation, we want to see it grow. But here's the reason why hip-hop don't want to grow up. Because it's veterans don't want to grow up. It ain't the you fault. They're coming out repeating Exactly what the adults are telling them that everything is cool. Hip hop did not have enough translators. See, when I was coming up, you had the Source magazine, which was the hip hop bible. Okay, I bought that magazine. I mean, I'm I'm telling you right now, maybe from '94 to about 20 or 2000, maybe and and, and eight, I had every Source magazine. I mean, honestly, if it wasn't for Benzino and them taking, you know, going back and forth with him and them, I probably would still buy the Swiss magazine right now. I lived and died by the five mic system. And then later on, Double XM. You had people that came out of there like Torre, writer, Elliot Wilson, you know what I'm saying, writer, rap radar podcast, who went far and beyond and started doing things that still affect the culture to this day. And you had these translators, you had these voices, you had these hip hop journalists that were coming up at the same time as. The rappers themselves and they were telling us what was going on. You had these gatekeepers of the culture. We wasn't aligned with just anybody that came in. And if you came in and you wasn't authentic, you had to go. But somewhere down the line, when hip hop got older and some of them hairlines start going back, for some reason, instead of just, hey, shaving the rest of it off, they kept wanting where the baseball cap and, and, and kept wanting to wear their jeans and, and kept wanting to talk about how many women they keep slipping with. Now and see. I promise you, I'm not necessarily trying to say there's anything wrong with telling your reality. You know, I'm I'm not. But as I move on as as an adult, man, there are two albums I can tell you that had the same effect on me as the albums I mentioned to you. One was Kendra Lamar's Good Kid, Mad City. You go back, you listen to that album, and he is telling a story from a concept from the beginning to the end in a day in a life. It's actually a gangster album if you listen to it. The narrative on there, the focus, the story, description, everything, how he felt about Charmaine and and gang life and everything and him just trying to live in that mad city. It was a masterpiece. The second album that I feel that really showcased some good love that doesn't probably get enough shine is Jay-Z's 444. Because here you have Ho himself, who is talking about how he, you know, cheated on his wife, the Beyoncé. And I he was wrong about it. No excuses. None of that. You know, he sat there and he took that when lemonade dropped and he was silent. But when 444 came out, he told you, yeah, I did it. I was wrong about it. And this is what we should do. And start talking about us investing and everything. And I remember having a conversation with one of my good friends at a barbecue. And he was like, man, no young people going to be listening to no ho. Nah, he shouldn't be saying that back then. I said, brother, him saying that now. Jay-Z in his 40s is going to help the next rapper to be able to say that in their 30s. Hove had to get to a point. If he would have been saying that back then, it wouldn't have been authentic and we wouldn't have heard him back then. He's saying that to brothers like us so we can say that to the younger brothers that we're around. So we can talk to the younger sisters that's around and start having a conversation. Yeah, we talked about bitches and hoes and all that. stuff. So we, we off that now. But when I when I hear, for example, certain things that happen in hip-hop. I am proud. Like there are a lot of hip-hop artists now that are doing podcasts. There are a lot of hip-hop artists now that are doing fashion. There are a lot of hip-hop artists now that are doing other things. They're, They're becoming more personalities and I rock with that. But the problem is, is that a lot of the voices aren't there to check them anymore. We become a culture, even the journalists and the voices that are part of the culture, unlike those in the past, we become wanting to be down with our favorite rapper. Imagine me being able to meet one of those rappers that I just mentioned to you, and that's what's happening right now. And now you're feeling like you're wanting to be part of the cool kids. Now, why am I saying that? Because I try to avoid this. I I promise you I do. And and Ghost, I know you probably get exhausted by this too. I try not to talk about anything that's Kanye West. I do. Number one is by the time you stake on one thing about Ye... Even by the time this recording come out or by the time you tweet, he's going to be on something else. It's just simply not worth it. It's just not. okay. it's just it just honestly is not even worth it because he moves so fast when it comes to things. Next thing you know, by next week, he's going to be talking about why doorknobs are are killing the black community. And somehow because of doorknobs, he can't see his kids and somehow he's going to be the next poke. Like it sounds crazy, but it's not really because he can actually be that kind of person who will say that. But when I see about how many times I see people defending him, especially people of the culture, when I see that he's able to go on certain platforms. Now, mind you, him going on Fox News, him going on CNN, that's not of the culture. Right. They're fascinated by this guy and they're going to keep giving him platforms for him to speak, especially if he's speaking towards something that they're of their liking. I'm talking about shows like The Shop that recently was saying, hey. You know, we invited him on and we encouraged this course, but we decided not to air it. Well, what did you think he was going to say? What did you think he was going to do? What did you think he was going to go in there and do to you anything? He's been having a whole press run for the past whatever years. What do you think he was going to do? And then you have when well, he went on drink champs, And by now you kind of know the details about that whole story and the episode got taken down. But it don't even matter because some of the savvy tech people have already downloaded the episode and put it up on their subscription page on YouTube. So you can still watch the episode. And he goes into a lot of rhetoric about the Jewish community, all this stuff that I hate that I'm repeating. But the reason why I say hip hop doesn't want to grow up when it comes to a Kanye in a sense is because everyone is still big on this whole like, oh, well, you know, that's our brother. And, you know, it's this black man. You know. We should, you know, let him go and, you know, keep letting him go on and things of that nature. And then you got other examples, like with the Tory Lanez and Megan Stallion, right? We got a whole shooting that mayor, that, that took place. Like, Megan accused Tory of shooting. Now, I'm not going to get into the details of all of that because there's a bunch of things that are going on in that. But let me tell you what I wasn't cool with. I wasn't cool with seeing a bunch of hip hop stars just... Everybody just embracing Tori on some like, yeah, well, you know, I'm hearing Meg sleep with a lot of people as if she was deserving of getting shot because she sleep with people. What in the hell are we talking about? Like, are we still on that? Like, is that what we still on? Are we still on caring and giving a damn about what what woman slept with and and determining that as a factor of what kind of abuse she should be able to take? Like, what are we What are we really, really talking about? Listen, at bare minimum, okay, I love Thriller, the album. I do. And I understand its impact, okay? But I dare you to tell me, what kind of Thriller-like level did Tory Lanez drop to make all y'all jump on board to be awesome? Like, yeah, yo, we got to defend him of all costs. <laughs> like, when did that happen? And even at bare minimum, if I don't know nothing, because I'll tell you, I don't know nothing. If it came out that everything was a big lie, then yo, so be it, yo. But even the way that Duke Tory Lanez was handling the situation by dropping the albums and the tweets and everything like that, that alone should be enough of nothing else to keep a distance like, hey, man, you got to work that out. Like, how many times have we had a friend of ours that's going through some things and a wilding or whatever you kind of just be like all right man, i'm gonna let you handle that for a second you know you my man or maybe you're not my man but you know you got to figure that out i can't really come around you right now or do we not do that why are we not holding artists like accountable and i'm not talking about the fake outrage or like the cancel culture in that sense i'm talking about the fact that kanye can go around saying whatever he want and and doing all this misinformation and everything like that. And everything is fine because he makes good music. No. It, it, no. It's 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 not okay. It's not okay that he can go around and just saying everything he wants and just saying misinformation. No, no, saying lies. Like at this point, it's not even misinformation no more. It's just straight up lies. And it's not okay that he could just go around and just say lies and it always seemed to be this audience of individuals that are just defending of him like why and when i say defending i'm not saying you on there defending exactly what he's saying but even if you're allowing him to come on your platform knowing there's not going to be a reasonable conversation or a phone call to check where we at or the fact that russell simmons can go in and out of town Despite what he's being accused of, and not publicly really deal with the situation as much as we would like, and just kind of just pop up here and there, and everybody just gets a photo out. And mind you, these are my heroes, yo. And I'm not sitting here in no glass house, yo. I am F up flawed, okay? Okay, I have made my bed, I have been wrong, okay? I am not, not sitting here like no angel. Because the way the wave of society goes now, by the time you sit there, you call yourself calling somebody out, somebody's gonna be right there to call you out. So you gotta be prepared to take it as much as you are there to dish it out. But this culture, this hip hop culture, that refuses sometimes to accept that it's getting older. Like hip hop just turned fifty, yo, which if that is still young. There are just certain things that you wish that we are just not dealing with anymore. And yes. These albums have helped us. They've they got us to this point in this life and they got us there. I just told you. Get rich trying. Like it, it got me there. But there should be no reason why I would want to defend any kind of antics that I see that I don't agree with for 50 Cent. That should, it should be nothing in that, right? I mean, it's definitely hard to separate sometimes the art from the art form. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, we should all be able to call a spade and, and, and call it for what it was. It shouldn't be a case of you felt like, oh, well, the black man is just being tore down. So we all got, come on, man, get off that. You're acting like some of these brothers are out here, been out here on the protests or whatever in this line. And when you take someone like Kanye West, he is one to be black when he wants to be. And, and, and next thing you know, he's praising some sort of white... <laughs> Walt Disney, like you know, he he wants to be on that, and he uses us as a culture when he feels like it. Or the fact that we allow voices of, of podcasts and just to come out with no knowledge of the past, of respect for their culture, and just dismiss our legends, dismiss everything that's there. And yes there's some accountability that has to be put into that place because why a lot of the elders the elders in the culture you were dissing what you didn't like and you were in turn were doing the same thing that elders did to you when you were on your come up and that's not right so if i'm a young person i wouldn't necessarily want to listen to you either but somebody got to be the individual in the room to say yo you know what my fault And usually as the one that's supposed to be older and wiser. My fault. Let me hear you out, youngin. And let me hear what's going on. Because if I can hear you, then I can tell you why this rant that you're hearing, you shouldn't be listening to. I should be able to tell you those type of things. I was having a conversation with somebody back home. And somebody who's a dear friend of mine, I've been knowing for years, like half my life. And he was really big on Kanye West as a genius. And I'm like, well, you know, why? He's like, because, man, you know what I'm saying? He's doing all this, 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 this. And he was given this reason that I I couldn't necessarily quite comprehend. But at the end, he chalked it up with, well, he's making money. And this brother's older than me. And I'm saying to myself, like, yo, we're still defining. Success and wisdom, and we're comparing it to money. Like that, that's no difference than what we thought 20 30 something years ago. We should be past that right now. We know that that is not what it is. Like we know, wisdom and knowledge does not come from the amount of bread, money that a person has made. Like we, we should know that Kanye West being a billionaire, or Tory Lanez being successful, or Fifty Cent being successful, or any of these. Any of these men, any of these people, them having the amount of money doesn't mean they're right on every single thing. It should be a situation where it's like you're going by what they say and it should not matter if they are working a nine-to-five job, they're a, a gold-selling rapper or they're a multi-billion-dollar producer and fashion mogul. None of that should matter. What should matter is where they're going and what they have to say, and how would they live in their life, and how are you growing from that? Like, we should encourage each of us to like grow. And if you somebody has ever left home, whether you did in the military or you went to college, you know that struggle of when you come back home and you visit, how your friends or certain people in your life and family members refuse to allow you to grow. They feel the need to want to chop you down before you even say anything. Oh, I know you acting like you don't eat no cheese. Okay? Because you know when you was young. You know what I'm saying? I used to get you. Like, yo, what is all that? I don't like cheese, bro. I don't, I don't want nothing. I'm good. Like, what is all of that? What is it within our community where we feel like growing, getting older, is such a negative thing? There are other cultures that embrace you getting older and being wiser and things of that nature. But what is it in that that's not making us feel like we can hold our stars, our you know our culture, and everything that we do, why can't we encourage the growth part? Why can't we dismiss the things that we say, yo, that's wrong. Yo, that's what we said years ago. We don't think that no more. We got a lot more context. We got a lot more wisdom. We don't think that no more. Because I'm not blaming the youth for, for the drill music and none of that. And the reason why I'm not blaming them is because they're following the blueprint that was got set off. And... There ain't that many adult examples of people that are in the culture that who have impact that are showing growth. There ain't that many. We got Jay. We got Beyonce. Who else we got? I mean, like, seriously, who else is there that we can actually lean and say, yo, we seen their growth and they're proud of where we at? Jeezy is one, right? Like, Jeezy is definitely one. Um, T.I. T.I. has grown, but he'll still come down. And be tip, you know what I'm saying? And again, nobody is asking for an angel change, but we should all cheer for the growth. Yo, you got kids now, you got a little belly, you got like you got like a dad bod now. That's okay. Like it should be okay. But to live in a life where we still want to be stagnant and we still want to repeat those feelings that we have back then, and we still want to degrade our women, and we still want to press on misinformation and just say illogical things, and no one is going around holding us accountable, and then we still are okay when we see them show up in a photo op. Like, I don't want to hear none of this stuff about Kanye just because he's made rappers mad. And then I look up and I start seeing next year all of you guys showing up in a photo op with him. Like, no. I I don't want to see like, okay, there's one rapper that pissed you off and everybody's talking about it. And then when they drop that album, it's like number one right now. No. Or the shows get sold out. No. No. We can't keep supporting the bullshit. We just can't. What was okay when you were eight or nine years old should not be okay when you're 19. Should not be okay when you're 29 and so on and so on and 39 and so on and so on we should all do a better job you know with that and as i say that i even asked to challenge myself to do a better job in that to challenge myself to not necessarily support certain platforms that i know just about negativity try not to support certain things that i know that are problematic i try to do my best You know, and I'm trying and I try to hold myself accountable and I allow myself to be checked. So even when a friend may check me about an attitude or a response that I may have some insensitiveness about myself, I allow that. I open my ear and I listen because I love myself. I love this culture. I want it to grow. I want myself to grow. So just like I'm asking of all of us to do it i'm asking for myself in that because i grew up with this and i know you grew up with it too i know there are some albums and there are some moments that you can remember that was the foundation of your life okay i got a homegirl right now she'll tell you dangerously in love by beyonce define her as a woman there's nothing that you can tell her about that album right there but that does not mean that if beyonce was to come out tomorrow and say all black women need to get weeds because their head is nappy, that she should just rock with that. <laughs> it should be no reason. Okay? No matter how much that might have defined her adulthood and her womanhood. Yo. No. Yo, these people are not gods, yo. And this culture was designed intentionally as a reflection. It prided itself at one point of showing America what it was doing to us as black Americans. But we also need to have that mirror at ourselves and be like, yo, have I grown since XYZ? Have I done that? Have I? From your first album that you bought and how you felt when you hit play for the first time, and that feeling you felt. Has there been growth within yourself now versus what it was some years ago? My wish for it is for it too and my wish is for you to grow my wish is for this culture to go first. i hope i made sense to you my wish is that i made sense to you because if i didn't then we in some trouble <laughs> that does it for this episode of the history being black i feel like my blackness is elevated as usual yo if you agree you disagree you can always follow me on all social media platforms at Jha society be blessed from successful I'll talk to you soon The History of Being Black is hosted by Jay Hall, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the History of Being Black podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast. Find the History of Being Black podcast on IG at The History of Being Black. Follow the Mean O Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mean Line Media. Get the Mean O Line Media app in the App Store or on Google Play. The History of Being Black podcast is a Mean O Line Media production.